Now, folks, today we're going to go into the Word of God. Obviously, my new sport coat that I have on is, and for those of you that are watching on television, uh, this is Bible school time. This is our one week to have the most special thing God creates, and that's our children. And he's entrusting them to us. He has said they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't say they're going to be. He says they already are. And we get blessed when we become a blessing to our children. But we are looking together through the scripture, and we're sort of on a journey, and God is doing some things and, that uh, are just awesome in our church. We're seeing so many people come to the Lord. We're seeing God change lives day by day. And in the story that I want to carry you to today, as we are still in the book of Acts, and we're not going to just teach the book of Acts, but... We're going to stay the course here for just a little bit longer because to, to reflect back on those of you that have been here and to introduce what we're doing for those of you here for the first time and we welcome our guests. We have a beautiful family Bible to give you at the end of the service. We want you to come by our hospitality room out here in the foyer. Just go out in the foyer, turn left, and the room is right over in this area, and we have a gorgeous Bible to give you. We love this book, and we want you to have a copy of it. And uh, we are noticing in the scripture here a story. As we have seen the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord, the time that he spent here after the resurrection, and then on the 40th day he rose, I mean he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, to make intercession for us all the time, telling those disciples and telling us through the scripture the story's not over i'm coming back again i came to bethlehem as a baby but i'm coming back to the earth as a king and i am going to build my church my church will be different from a lot of things that you will see in your lifetime called a church my church will have some very distinct uh qualities. Uh, it will be different from anything else on the planet. It will be my bride. It will be my body. It will be the main instrument through which I will convey my message to those that live between the time that I have ascended in, into heaven until I come again not telling us how long that would be, but telling us there would be some signs as to the coming of the second time. I'm going to put a church out there. Now, everybody won't know what it is. There will be those that will take my body, my bride, and try to turn it into a religious organization that sort of fits in with a lot of other organizations that have good purposes. But they're not my family. They're not my bride. They're not what the church is. And in the meantime, the Lord has said, I will give you the scripture, but I'm also wanting to make sure that you understand that there is a line of communication between the church and the Father. It's called prayer. I will reveal myself to my church. I will show my power to my church. I will supply the needs of my church. I will change the lives of the people that come to my church and become a part of my church. 
I will give to my people certain spiritual gifts. I will give them my church in which they can use their spiritual gifts. And by using those spiritual gifts, they will have an impact on those that are walking around in a world that is confused, a world that is just intoxicated with sin, a world that has lost its way, but in the midst there will be a group. It will never be the large group. It will be a narrow. It'll be narrow. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. But I will not leave my church, nor will I forsake my church, but the effectiveness of my church will be determined by whether or not my people know how to communicate with me. Because I will give directions. I will give the printed word, or he has given the printed word. I will leave my word. It will not return void. But there's going to need to be application of the scripture. There's going to be uh, necessary that the word becomes flesh and it lives among men. And that my people who are being bombarded by so much information from so many directions that they have not an app on their telephone to do it, but a direct line to me. And if they will listen, I will speak to them. And if they will learn how to pray, we will have a relationship. I will hear what they say, and they will hear what I say. Now, in the book of Acts, in the third chapter, when we closed last week, you remember there was a lame man that was at the place where new believers were gathering. He had been there a long time, and uh, people had just noticed him, maybe gave him some money, maybe gave him some food. Maybe said hello, maybe just walked on the other side. But in the midst of that illustration where the people were aware of this man and who he was and what was going on, his life was changed instantaneously by a touch from God. Now, I find it quite amusing and very disturbing that these people were shocked. They were shocked that God could change a life so dramatically that they changed this man's life. His health came back to him. He was able to get up and walk. His countenance changed. His priorities changed. His purpose changed. They couldn't believe that. Because folks, people then are just like people now. Most people have never realize how God changes people's lives. They feel like the people come to church are just like them and, and that they handle things just like them and they move about just like them and their priorities are what theirs are and as a result, nothing happens. You just come and you go and you come and you go. Well, I want you to look here at Acts chapter 3 and uh, we're going to start this morning with verse 12. And, and if you remember, again, what I just said had just taken place, so, so stay with the story. And when Peter saw it, he answered to the people, you men of, Galilee, of, of Israel, why marvel you at this? Now notice his question. He's saying, I cannot believe 
that you people that claim to be church-going people have just seen a person's life change and you've never seen it before. Which church do you go to? <laughs> what happens when you go to church? Do you not understand that I came to change everything about a person? I came in order that people, they were going this way, would start going this way. That people that had no hope had a future. Now you're seeing it and you're shocked. So as Peter, knowing how God had changed his life, could not comprehend why these other religious people couldn't understand that God changed his lives. Now, I just want to say at this point in the message, what Peter was dealing with then, we deal with today. Because there's so many people that simply believe that church is just a little fire insurance that you want to get on the side, be sure and get the policy because I understand it's an eternal policy and all you got to do is say a prayer, get baptized, sign up, and then go live just exactly like you were living before. But you won't go to hell when you die. And then whenever you need prayer and you don't have any money, just pray, dear God, I'm one of your kids. You know, my name's Jimmy. What you going to give me? And, uh, and so this is not new, folks. It goes all the way back to our story. Now, notice again. <clears throat> he says in verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, in whom you delivered up. And you denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. I mean, he's given them a rough time. I promise you, a lot of people left, never came back here, Peter preach again. Because he told them, you're the people that's making it so difficult for the Lord to be glorified. You had a man named Pilate that was ready to release Jesus, but because of your faithless actions, that all changed. So he's given them a real rough time. Verse 14, you denied the Holy One and the just, and you chose a murderer to be granted unto you, just like today. We don't choose the holy things. Church people don't, for the great part. They choose the worldly things. Anytime you draw the line and take the survey, most of the people that claim to be believers go with the world when it comes to a choice. That's just the way it is. You killed the prince of life, verse 15. But you think God was through? Uh-uh. Three days later, God shows up, and he comes up out of the grave. <gasps> Can you imagine what those believers, quote, unquote, those churchgoers thought? Oh, my goodness. I thought he was dead, and we were through with it, and now we could go on and live like the devil. Jesus said, no, I'm not through. And he's not through yet, folks. Do you hear me? He's not through yet. He's coming again. While we are crucifying Jesus afresh and anew, God says, I'm coming back to rapture my church. Be ready. Be ready. Verse 16, in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. The faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter says, I want to tell you guys one more time, you religious folks, God changes lives. What you're seeing is a man 
that has a brand new life. Verse 17, and now, brethren, I would that through ignorance you did it, as did the rulers, but you see, they didn't do it through ignorance. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. They knew there was going to be a promised one. They had read this, but yet they could not break out of their world to come into God's world. And so Peter is dealing with this, and he says in verse 18, but those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he has so fulfilled. Then he says to them in verse 19, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. You know what the good news about all that is? Peter says, you still got time. You still got a chance. You really messed it up in Pilate's hall. You really messing it up today. Wanting to know you don't understand what's going on. But I tell you, you got a God that still loves you and he wants to take you right now and make you to what he wants you to be. Well, I want you to, when you get time, to go on and read the following verses, uh, especially uh, down through about the 26th verse. But let me move on here. I think you see the picture of the introduction here of the message, and that is this. We got to be careful when we study the scripture that we know what God said rather than what we hope he said. Can I say that again? When you study the scripture, you need to know what God said, not what you hope he said. We read into this book a lot that's not there. We believe that God expects us to take his word and add our intellectualism to it, and then it becomes the truth. No, God has said exactly what he wanted to say. We cannot improve on what God said. All we can do is know what he said, and he said what he means, and he means what he says. When he says there's no other name given among men whereby people must be saved, he meant there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. When he said, except you repent, you will perish, he meant, except you repent, you will perish. What he said was, if whatever you got didn't change your life, you haven't got what you need. That's what he was saying. That's pretty hard to handle, folks, because we know too many people that are wonderful, good people, but they don't believe that. But God believes it, and when God said it, and when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me, he meant exactly that. It may not be correct politically, but it is certainly accurate biblically. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Wow, that's clear. That is something so easy to understand. The reason a lot of people don't find God is because they seek God like a thief looks for a policeman. They don't want to find one. 
And the reason that so many don't find God, you're looking for God in all the wrong places. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But the Father in heaven can be known through the Holy Spirit that is in this earth. If we come to Jesus, his Son, he will make sure that he will come to live in us through the Holy Spirit who will take us and introduce us to the Father. You see, when you ask for God's will, you find God's will. When you seek God, you find God. When you knock, the door opens. There's a huge difference in knowing God and in knowing religious doctrine. There is a huge difference in knowing God personally than knowing what God's Word teaches about doctrine. Doctrine is important. But you can study the Bible and you can memorize the Bible. And you can be a Bible scholar and never be born again. It is about a personal relationship with Jesus that a person can have that doesn't even know John 3.16 in the King James edition. But they do know there was a God in heaven that made itself so evident in creation that they came to that God and some way, somehow, miraculously, they come through the Holy Spirit to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know who God is and not know God. But when you do know God, you want to know him better. Now we're getting back on prayer again. How in the world do you get to know God better? Well, I'm studying a lot. How much are you praying? Uh, how much my what? Praying. P-R-A-Y. Not P-R-E-Y. P-R-A-Y. How much are you talking to him? How much are you listening to him? How many times do you listen to God when you're having a good day? And you say, Lord, I don't have one thing to ask you for. I just want to say, I love you. I praise you. Got anything I need to do today? You have anything you want to share with me that would help me to be more like you? Or is it, I'm sick. My friend is sick. I'm broke. My friend is broke. I got a bad relationship. My friend's got a bad relationship. You know what I'm talking about. Where is it, God? I'm one of your kids. You know, all the other kids got one. Why don't I have one? That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. On the day of Pentecost, there was an incarnation of the gospel. And God showed himself, and it's never been the same. Have you noticed something? Story? This story? My story? Your story? Have you ever noticed how nervous people get when God shows up? You ever notice that? I mean, I can just be a preacher. I'm not God. I believe God lives in me. But when people know I'm a preacher, I can show up and it makes people nervous. <laughs> I can walk in a restaurant. You ought to see what happens in some of the restaurants. I mean, they're putting it under the table and everything. It's the pastor. Lord, help us. No, don't bring that bottle. No, move this thing. <laughs> I mean, this is, where, this is the sense of humor of a preacher. 
I mean, I've walked in on a bunch of Sagemont members. I mean, they look like they swallowed a frog. <laughs> you know? Lord, help us. I didn't know that you know. Others say, I don't care what you think, preacher. I'm a, that's all right. At least you got a good sense of humor, you know? I don't care either. But he cares. He cares. And we're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the other most part of the world. That bothers some people because I'm not being a very good witness. Acts 2.32. This Jesus has raised him up, and we're all witnesses. That's what it's about. You know what? The time has come for us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. <clears throat> Football, an incredible game. Uh, a lot of sports. I mean, when you really... People that really study them, they fascinate me. But football is, uh, is interesting. <clears throat> uh, have you noticed how they like to get in a huddle? Reminds me of churches. They like to get in a huddle and never get out of the huddle. Have you ever noticed what happens in football? They get in a huddle after 45 seconds. They step off. One, two, three, four, five. What for? Delay of game. Football is not getting in a huddle. Oh, but church is. We get in Sunday morning huddles, Sunday night huddles, Wednesday night huddles. We love to huddle. But you got to get out and get in the game. Most of you know more Bible, if you've been to church all your life, you know more Bible than you ever use. In fact, some don't use any of it. All you want to know is more of it but don't plan to use any of it. A lot of people like to take notes and study. You ever watch Christian television? The cameras like to go to people taking notes or raising their hand. Now, if you can learn to raise your hand or take notes, you'll probably make television, okay? But could I just affectionately tell you that taking notes or raising your hands isn't going to help one thing about the problem that's going on right now. We've got to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We've got to understand it's not about getting in the huddle. Now, they have a way in football that they do it, the quarterback. They come out of the huddle, they got the plan, and Peyton Manning gets up there, you know, and he starts barking it off. What are they doing? What do they call that? Audibles. What is an audible? That's changing everything that happened in the huddle. <laughs> They're saying we're going to do it a little bit different than what we planned to do it. Now, most churches today, if they plan, in fact, they have long-range planning committees. This is the people that, claim, that plan everything for the next 10 years. Now, what do you do when God shows up? Well, you stick with the plan. After all, the church voted it in conference. And it was almost unanimous after four hours of discussion. But we finally voted. But the, what is inaudible? Well, what about here? Let's talk, Father. The Lord wants to speak to his children. He wants his children to speak to him. It's time to change the game plan. When it doesn't work, you change it. We figured out some things are not working any longer. God's command is to go, go, get up on the line of scrimmage, get involved. Satan gets scared when the church comes alive, when the church becomes mobile, when the church becomes mission-minded, 
When the church begins to be able to pay its way and doesn't have to borrow from the banks, the world gets very nervous about that because you better watch out. The first thing you know, the church is going to have an impact. They might build a cross right in your neighborhood. God forbid that that would ever happen. But what fun it is as it was last Sunday night when we had baptism. One in particular that didn't like the cross when it went up. But he loves the cross now. Not that cross, but the cross of Calvary. When the church mobilizes, people get shook up. As long as you do nothing, you will be citizen of the year. But when you start doing things that changes people's lives, it's a different, different day. God's command is to go. And we've got to be alert. And when we see the danger... We must sound the alarm. Have you noticed how God has given to all the animals of his creation? He has a way that animals alarm the others. The warnings that come. Birds have warnings. Uh, The smallest of birds have warnings. The baboons in Africa, if you've ever sat through an African night, And I've sat through several of them out in the bush. And now all you have to do, if you want to know it's a leopard, you don't have to find a flashlight. As long as there's a baboon around, anywhere you are, that baboon will tell you there's a leopard close to you. The leopard will give out the warning. Now, they're not giving it to the tourists. They're giving it to the other baboons. That's their purpose. You say, well, I've never been to Africa. You ever been around deer? You know what a white-tailed deer is? Okay, this is a, this is a, a very deep question. <laughs> Why do you think they call them whitetails? You got it. They got a whitetail. Yes. Why do you think God gave them a whitetail? Because it's their warning. The little ones are being born right now. The deer. Drive through Texas and see if the preacher's wrong. The little ones are born, and the mother immediately begins to raise that tail, teaching that little one. When mama's little white flag is, it's time for you to get out of charge and follow mama. And whenever the danger's really, really, really there, every deer in the herd will throw up that white tail. And you can see it for a mile. And away they go. It's a danger signal. Do you think God gives us danger signals? Have you, have you seen anything happening today that might be a, a warning flag? For Bible schools, this will be my 74th one. I can remember the church of yesteryear. Uh, I, can, I, I believe, I, I really do, I've, I've thought about this. I hope this is accurate. Right now, I think it is, and you can write me and tell me where you're wrong. But I think that I've grown through the biggest transition ever of people's lives changing. I mean, I'm thinking about what it was like 75 years ago, what a family was. My aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my grandmother, what family was, how close families were, how they loved each other, respected one another. 
how the children obeyed their parents and their uncle and their aunt and their grandma and their grandpa and those that married into the family, how the young people respected the adults, the school teachers, the police officers, the coaches. I can remember that. I, I can remember the changes that have taken place in our schools as I used to listen to the devotionals every morning, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and gave some of those devotionals when I was in the 11th grade and the 12th grade. I can remember those days. And you know what? Everybody was tickled to death that their children were hearing something good and positive before the school day started. I can remember when the government was totally different, when they tried to protect the innocent and to deal with the guilty. I can remember those days. I, I, I can remember when everyone was in one accord. And I can remember when the church impacted the community like nothing else. We're today ignored like nothing else. And that's just been in less than a century. We're obsessed today with entertainment. We're obsessed today with escapism. We're in a moral or immoral epidemic today. Right. Our family breakdowns, our families now, we punish our children, we abort some, we neglect some, we abandon some. We watch the news on CNN of people rioting in a street and the news people, not the preachers, the news people say most of those people rioting down there do not have a father living at their house. That would have never happened in the 1940s and 50s. Dads were dads and moms were moms. But it's changed and it's changing rapidly. But God can change it back. There can be revival in the family, revival in the church, revival in the home, revival in the government. We look at Acts 3, 11, it says the lame man which was healed, he held on to Peter and John. He just wanted so much to know what can I do now with my life. They wanted people to see God. And you know what? We want you to, we want you to know God when you come to Sagemont. We want you to find God when you come here. We want you to have your life changed for the better when you come here. Not to be like us, but to be like him. And when our adults and our children come to Bible school this week, when they come to Adventureland today, we want them to learn about Jesus as soon as they can so that they will know the warning signs they will know while they're young what they're seeing and what their friends are doing is not right. They will know right from wrong because they have been exposed to the one who is right and who is the way and who does love them and who does have a plan for them. And that plan is for all of eternity. And that's what Vacation Bible School is about. It's not a place to bring your kids while you go shopping. It's not something else to do this summer. It is something where you can be a part of introducing boys and girls to Jesus Christ. These people then wanted to see Jesus. We today need to want to see Jesus. All of us, when we move about in our life and we think about 
how these people had so many things that, that they couldn't understand. That's still true today. But you know, when you start talking to the Lord, he has a way of sorting this out. He has a way of showing you what your priorities are. Because, as again, as that 15th verse says, God has raised Jesus from the dead. He's raised him up. And you know, if you don't, you feel like, you know, I just don't understand. I just don't understand what's going on. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand anything. Don't you like that scripture that says, if anybody like wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God. Ask of God. That's called praying. Well, I've never heard God speak to me. This is it. This is it. He's spoken to you. Name the subject. It's right here. The answer. You got the question? Here's the answer. Well, what are we going to do? One of our laymen last week told me something in the, after the service. I won't tell the name of the school since I didn't go there, and some of you did. Uh, this does not flatter your school. But on the college campus of a state university in the state of Texas, uh, just a little while ago, a group of six of the college students was asked the three following questions. Who won the Civil War? From what country did America declare its independence? And name the Vice President of the United States. Six of them were asked, and the best that any of them scored was answered one of the three questions. And some of them didn't know the answer in any three. That's on the campuses of the universities in America, Texas. I can look at some, and they say, now what war? Civil, civil, civil war. What court was that fought in? The civil court of whatever, you know? <laughs> no, listen to me. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Folks, there's no reason to walk in darkness. We've seen the light. There's no reason to wonder what in the world is going on in America. It's the same thing that went on in Israel. That's what's going on in America. Well, what is the hope for America? The same hope for Israel. they got to turn to God. And the God of heaven has said in the latter days, it's going to be like it was in the former days, but I'm alive. I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father, but I need somebody to talk to. I've got to tell the people. I've got to show the people. They're not reading my word. They're not praying. They're not talking to me. They're caught up in all the other things. They've got their favorite worldly things, but they won't be still and know that I'm God. And the best thing that some of us could do is do nothing, but slow down and be still and know that he is God. I challenge you this summer to take at least one day when you get by yourself with nothing but a Bible and the Lord. I would encourage you to get out of town. It would help you focus to watch a sunrise, a sunset, or both. To listen to the birds. To watch a little child. To come to a Bible school and just watch these children. See their hunger for love. See their willingness to follow. Watch them laugh. It's something that's not filthy or dirty. 
Watch them as they feel welcomed and loved. And they're spoken to and they're listened to. That's all a part of what God has put us here to do. We have got to communicate with one another. We've got to love one another. We've got to follow the Lord. And when that begins to happen, people are going to begin to change. How do you receive a new life? You pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. How do you find the power to break from the world and walk with God? All power is given to you in heaven and in earth. You have within you the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you want to do the ways of God, God will empower you and direct you in the ways of God. But you and I have to open the doors. And when we open the doors, he says, if any man opens a door, I will come in. That's what we need. God has done his part. Verse 18 of Acts 3. Verse 19, it's time to repent. And then in verse 20, Jesus is coming again. It's pretty clear in that third chapter. God is finished. He's done his part. He is finished. He has paid for the sin. But we need to repent. And then watch out. In such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man is going to come again. Amen. Would you do this for me this week? wherever you are, sometime during the course of the day, the Bible school's at night, about 6 to 8.30, I believe, are the times. Would you just pray? And here's what I want you to, to pray. Would you just pray, dear God, would you help those children that are going to be at the Bible school, would you help them learn how to make right choices? This is our thing. How do you get young people and children to learn how do you make right choices would you just pray and ask God God would you do this the gospel's not new children are special he brought the little child to him who's the greatest he brought the little child he says a little child shall lead them he used a little junior boy to feed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes and our church is going to be filled with, with young people would you just pray, God, would you? You know those children. You know their background. You know their home life. You know what they've already witnessed in their brief years on, on, on the planet. But God, would you take and put your hand on those children? And would you use somebody to help them to learn how to make right choices, especially the choice of giving their heart to you? You say, well, pastor, you know, I'm getting old. I'm not sure I'm going to change my ways. When somebody tells me I'm, I'm getting old, you know what I ask them? I say, well, you reckon, uh, or would you be interested in being born again? Now, most people don't say, yeah, I'd like to be a baby again. Not me, not me. No, excuse me. Don't put me back in first grade. I've had one time through. I'm finished. But you know what? If I'm lost, I want to be found. And if I'm dead in trespasses and sin, I want to be born again. And old people, you're not going to change your ways if you hadn't been born again. 
You've made enough New Year's resolutions. Some of you have made 60 or 70 of them. And not a one of them have worked. But the day you're born again, the old things pass away and everything becomes new. I want you to pray. God, come into the life of these kids. God sent a baby to Bethlehem to change the world. Maybe this week on this campus will be the child that God is going to, to show them the cure for cancer, for diabetes. Maybe one that will be president of the United States and be the president under which this nation will repent and come to God. We don't know. We don't know. But we do know this. These children are one of a kind. They're special, and God's got a plan, and God's got a purpose. Everybody matters is, the, is one of the core values of Sage Mike Church. In that everybody, you're included, and our children are included. You matter to God, and you matter to this church, whether you're young or whether you're old. So my final words are this. Salvation is free. Vacation Bible school is free. Baptism is free. Church membership is free. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. But he's washed it white as snow. Boy, isn't it nice when something that was once dirty is made clean. When something that is old is made new, when something that's dead comes alive, that's called salvation. And prayer is at the center of it. You pray to be saved. You pray to find the will of God in your life. You pray to find the, the confidence, the courage, the wisdom, the knowledge, the opportunity to use your faith. Pray, 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 pray. And the Bible says, whoever comes to me I will in no wise cast out. You have a personal invitation signed by the blood of Jesus to enter into his, his courts with praise. You have an invitation to come and be saved. You have an invitation to use your life for God's glory. I challenge you to do it.